listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turek, Emily Yates, Kelsey Coons, and Gerard Cuomo. All are current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years experience. Each month, we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, bringing many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello and welcome everyone back to the Medic Materials Podcast. And Gerard, I, I'm How are you so, already losing it? Because his taste is coming through the phone. Right, just Dude, through Skype. It's even, wor- it's even worse. It's even worse over Skype. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Oh my God. All I hear is, you know, oh. well, you're listening. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Right in the middle of the intro. So here I am thinking like, you know, okay, there's a person who's never listened to any episode of ours ever. That's going to be and the one this that is you- the first episode that they turn on because it's the first one that pops up in their feed. You're listening. Fuck. It's great. Oh, man. Hey, so, hey, and if they and if they keep listening, then you know that they're the kind of people we want to, you know, have listened to us. This is the podcast I should this, be listening yeah, to. Yeah, this, right. we this should the one say that. that, right? This right. is the podcast for you. <laughs> Here's your sign. Yeah, right. So uh, I am sitting here with Emily. Finally, I know. I'm like, sorry. We've got a badass over here. <laughs> um, I gave you your own soundbite just for you it because say you have a day off. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, you guys are joining me via Skype, which is awesome. And uh, we're going to, so we're going to kind of piggyback off of our last conversation that the three of us had um, for last uh, episode on April 15th, where uh, we talked all about like the toxic heroism aspect and like educational standards and how to fix those education standards. Uh, to try and give us, you know, a forward progression in the um, in the industry. And this month, I wanted to start off by talking about how the National Registry is is phasing out their practical skills exams, so their PSEs. And I think, you know, being that we are all educators in some form or fashion, we've all done PSEs, we've all gone through them, we've all proctored them. Um, and well, is this going to be a written? right um i think i think it lends itself to you know there's there's three camps on this issue there's the camp of you absolutely need the sheets don't ever get rid of these things there's the camp of we need to get rid of these things and then there's the people that are somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. and um i think it'll just lend itself to an interesting conversation to see what you guys think about this so kelsey let's go to your rig check and then we'll get started so i thought i was ready i need like another 36 seconds only 35. That's all we can give you. I mean, if I had the Jeopardy uh, thing programmed, <laughs> I'd be... Do, 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 do. Okay, I'm ready. That was Look way quick. like six. That was like a man. Like, I'm not even going to go any further. You can use your imagination. Boom, done. Keep going. And we're ready. <laughs> Why are you still here? <laughs> Get them all out of here. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I'm just picturing Kelsey's dad like, what the fuck is she in? 
Why is she doing this? Are you this? kidding me? He's laughing too. He knows. It's hilarious. He's a guy. So guys, as most of you may know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. This job is definitely not without its stresses, and just because it may be considered a part of the job doesn't mean that we as providers can't seek help to find better ways to cope with the things that we face on a daily basis. Whether it's going to be one call, a buildup of calls, or maybe it's something not even work-related, there are people out there to help, and this is nothing to be ashamed of. We're all in this together as every single one of us faces this at some point, on some level, at varying points of our career. If you would like help or need assistance, reach out to Operation At Ease or code, the Code Green campaign using the links below for accessing resources. Also, if you want to look back and you're unsure what Operation At Ease, our May 1st episode of last year, we talked with Joni Bonilla. She was a first responder um, who helps with bringing professional service dogs to veterans, first responders, nurses, that sort of thing. And our May 15th episode was about the culture of stress and actually like the biological changes that your brain is going to undergo when you do this job. So both are really great episodes to listen to in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month. And those resources are available to you at any point. There is no timeline on this sort of healing process, even if that hits you two years after the call happened. Reach out. We're all in this together. We're all in this to help figure it out. And we are going to shout out our listeners in Washington and Sweden today. So thank you guys for listening. And May's going to be a good month. That was a year ago. Yeah, for sure. That was a year ago. I feel like that was yesterday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, Holy shit. Yeah. It, time flies. Time utterly flies. It's crazy. Um, it's, not, it's not on our side. Yeah, nope. right? And, you know, it's funny. I, I, did, a, um, I did a post for, for May 1st. And, uh, you know, it... It went up and everything, and boom, Joni, right there. Like, you know, you guys are not alone. Like, you know, she's very. I gotta tell you, just as much as we are committed to her, she is just as committed to what first responders do all the time. And if you're not prevy to that, follow her Operation Eddie's Facebook page because she gives you updates on all the the people that she's helping, and it's incredible. It really is. She is an incredible woman. Yes. They and do. even if you don't feel like reaching out to her, reach out to somebody, reach anybody. Out to us. Yeah. We talk about nothing. I mean, we Look talk We talk a lot about nothing. Um, mm. But no, I mean, realistically, you know, and we've said it last month, we've, you know, or last year in May, um, we'll say it again. There is, there is never a time where if you feel like you need to talk to somebody about something and you text or, you know, instant message or whatever, mm-hmm. the medic materials page, it comes right to my phone. Like, I will see it, and it's not like you sit there and go, I need help. I'm going to start talking to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, fuck that guy. Like, whatever. No, that's just not who I am. Um, and I will do everything in my power to find you a service in your area. If Like, I don't care where the fuck you're from. I will Google the shit <laughs> out of it until I can find something. You know, so do reach out. Like, if you need to talk to somebody, reach out, you know. Um, it's just, it is the way that, um, it is the way this industry is. People are afraid to reach out because they're afraid of what might happen to them. And uh, and none of us here play like that. Nope. Not a one, you know. Um, so, yeah, take the opportunities. Use the the Code Green campaign is fantastic because they can put you in 
in touch with services inside your area. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're fantastic in that way. They don't provide the service, but they can find you a service that will help you in your area, you know, and Joni, she's been, you know, doing fabulous work with the, with the service dogs and, and the, you know, and these are rescue dogs and they're just, it, it is a phenomenal program. So if you feel like, you know, you have like symptoms of PTS and you could utilize a service dog, you know, reach out to Joni because literally you, you, you put in an application, you meet with them and maybe you're eligible for this. And then you get free training with this dog that becomes yours at the end that and can she's there literally to save you. your life. She's there to support you through the entire journey. So right. like, yes, your dog is trained, you know, it's, I think it's a year long program. Yeah. But after that, it's not like she wipes her hands with you. She's right. there every step of the way. Any vet bills that pop up, like she will, she's willing to help you with it. She is a phenomenal resource. Yeah. And the Code Green campaign, same idea. They are so responsive and they're so down to earth. They're just very cool. Yeah, it, it really is. And and that's why I support them wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Like there has never been another pro. I'm sure there are programs out there that, you know, we could get behind and you know what, if you're part of them, let me know about them. Yeah, for real. Because I will support them if, you know, if they're within our values, I will plug them till I'm blue in the face. 100%. You know, um, because that's what we need. You know, we need to raise the awareness and we need to get rid of the stigma, you know, get rid of the stigma. And I'm really, I'm really, really hoping that uh, the large surprise that, I'm hoping that will happen for the next episode actually happens. If it does, you guys are going to be flipping off the chain. Um, If not, I will make it happen another day and it'll just be a later episode, but I will make it happen. Um, You know, but that will really put into, you know, into perspective, the mental health crisis Mm -hmm. in, in and around, you know, pre-hospital providers and stuff like that. So, um, so moving on from that, going into this, you know, PSE talk. So just, you know, really quick, I don't want to hear any opinions. I just want to hear, are you for, against, or kind of in the middle of getting rid of the PSC at the EMT and paramedic AEMT level. So I'll start first. I'm going to say I'm kind of on the fence in the middle. Where are you at, Em? So I am, I'm with you. I am in the middle. What about you, Gerard? No. Don't get rid of it? Don't get rid of it or get rid of them? Don't get rid of it. Don't get oh, okay. Interesting. All right, okay. I can't wait to hear that opinion. I really can't. Like, I really thought you were going to be I don't think, on that, actually. And honestly, I don't think anyone is wrong no, in their thinking here because – this is uncharted territory. Yeah. So, Kelsey, where are you in these? Since you're, you're you Currently are getting ready it. to do your practical for ALS. Um. Well, first of all, I would like to make it very known that I'm angry that if I'm the last year that has to take it. <laughs> well, like, yeah. So you want to get rid of them? Well, I I can see both sides, but I feel like knowing what I know about how they want to formulate getting rid of them, I don't hate it. And knowing what they want to replace it with, I don't hate it. So I don't know what they want. All I know is you guys are playing with the fallback issue. Yeah. So, so Kelsey, being in that, the know it, you're right. You're like in the know. Like you know, um, what 
so what have you heard? Because the articles that I've been reading and I, and I pulled one up just so I could read some context out of it. They are very vague in what they're actually going to replace it with. So there's nothing that I have actually read that says specifically, this is what we're looking to do. All they kind of say is this is what we're doing by 2023. You know, like they want mid 2023 to be the rollout of they're gone. So what have you heard that is going to be replacing the current PSE system at the national level? So, I mean, this is all through theories, through like things that my like program currently is implementing this year to change things to make it easier for them. And I mean, no offense to New York State, but it's New York State, so they could do a complete 180 and pull something that uh, they never actually, you know, explained to anybody. And now nothing is the way it seems. Sounds but like the New way York that State. it's Sounds appearing like, exactly. to look. What? Sounds like New York State. Yeah. Um, but the way it's appearing to look is basically throughout your year. Um, so, like, take your paramedic school year. Throughout your year of paramedic school, you're going to have to have sign offs for all of your skills. So New York State requires you to have some arbitrary number of whatever. So they've decided that you need 24 adult intubations, 24 pediatric intubations. So when you go through paramedic school and lab, you basically get sign-offs by your instructors. Um, you can do peer sign-offs, instructor sign-offs, however your program regulates it, that like take intubation skills. My instructors have witnessed me do 24 successful adult intubations. So then that skill is signed off. And then I would sit in front of like my head lab instructor, show him I can do an intubation from start to finish. I get a signature on a piece of paper saying that I am proficient in that skill. And it would go through all of your skills, through your cardio versions, through like team leads. So I've team led four geriatric strokes. I've done seven OBs. I've done... 12 deliveries i've done 172 pediatric intubations or 35 ios whatever the number that new york state sets i have done a live stick shown with aseptic technique no signs of infiltration properly secured the whole nine signed off by my whoever runs my lab program so the skill portion is going to be everything signed off now in new york state they also require you to be able to do um patient exams that's a part of it they also require you like obtaining histories your sample your opqrst those are all also sign-offs so everything from like your basic abc skills to your patient exam is all going to be signed off by your instructors hmm. so okay. instead of at the end of the year going in and doing like a head-to-toe trauma assessment i will have done 30 head-to-toe trauma assessments throughout the year all done successfully, all all signed off on. Yeah, so... And, and ahead, all Jordan. in a classroom environment. Exactly. That's my issue yes. with it. But, yeah. at this, but at the same point, what is the... But that is only your lab sign-off. That has nothing to do with your clinical time or anything like that. That right. is only right. what gives you your lab credit. Right. So uh, you so, still so, would yeah, need yeah. X amount of patient contacts in the field, you know, leads... Um, you know, cardiac monitoring, IV skills, assessments, blah, 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 in the field, just like you would now. Yep. And then, so basically, instead of coming in for one day and doing, you know, 
your trauma assessment, your medical assessment, and sitting there and doing it. I believe, in theory, they're still trying to keep the integrated out-of-hospital scenarios. Yeah, so that's one of the things. But I don't know if that's incorporated into a day or if you have to have 12, 20 minutes integrated out-of-hospital scenarios signed off for the year. I don't know if that would be, like, an at-the-end-of-the-year thing or if they're going to leave that up to, like, the program and be like, they need to have... 15 successfully done we don't care when they get done how they get done get them done so go ahead Gerard you were going to say something because right now I'm looking something up um, no I was just going to say that uh, I mean I wouldn't be opposed to it as long as there was something at the end where you, uh, you had to come in for a day and I'm not real, I'm not a big fan of like you know, the stations and all that stuff and no okay show me how to freaking bag and all that crap because you know, if you don't know how to beg by the time you get to the end of a paramedic course, then you're a fucking idiot and you shouldn't fuck be doing this at all. Yeah, but how many um, people fuck that up? Yeah. Oh, no, no. They, the, the, because they're so focused on patient assessment and doing all the, the, the hard stuff, you always forget so about stressed. the easy shit and they always fuck it up. Part of the, um, part of the my, thing that I like about the skill station is that you automatically have this increased stress. And you're like, okay, this is, you know, that's we used I to call it like a do or, do or die day. And like, okay, if I fail this, I am done. Right, and that's where I was going with it. Was yeah. there's something to be said about performing under stress and right. being able to see what someone's going to be like when they're, you know, they've already smoked a half a pack of cigarettes before nine a.m. Right, you know, and they're fucking, they're they're, they're wigging out. Um, so I think that is the only did, reason that I would be completely okay with them continuing to have it because, like, in my mind, if I've done a hundred intubations throughout the year. Why do I have to sit in front of another lab instructor and do one again? But at the same time, I also understand because, like, if I can't do it in that moment when I'm in a controlled lab, but I'm freaking out because this is my make or break moment, I'm also probably never going to be able to do that in a really critical patient with a really bloody airway or XYZ that happened. And I think yeah. that is the only reason that I'm okay with the fact that they would still keep them. And I understand the alternate argument where it's like, okay, well, you know, everybody gets nervous taking a test. Like, why would you want your entire career based on one day? And it's like, okay, great. But like my patient, their entire life is based on my one day. And your entire career See, is would, based on high stress. Yeah. Right. What I would do for the one day is, uh, yeah, get rid of this, the, you know, the stations for this, that, you know, BVM, fucking AE, all that crap. Get rid of all that shit and do multiple stations like that, the out-of-hospital scenario. Do scenario-based examination. So, you know, coming into the day, you know, you're going to have a cardiac uh, scenario. You're going to have a respiratory scenario. You're going to have a holy shit. What the fuck is this scenario? You know, and then maybe, you know, one other weird one thrown in their die bag. You know, so, so something off the freaking cuff. But when you, you know, get your card to go to a freaking, you know, to, to you know, go to a station, you don't know what you're walking into. And you have to figure that shit out on your own. They don't say, okay, you're going to the cardiac station. No, you're going to a fucking, you know, room four. Have right. fun. You know, yeah, and so, I think that because then you're going to be demonstrating your skills. You're going to be demonstrating your clinical judgment. You're going to be demonstrating all that shit that you can measure right then and there. And I don't need you to have, OK, you're going to the BVM station. Here you go. OK, BVM, breathe, breathe, breathe. No, fuck that. Put them in a scenario, you know, set the fucking room up, you know, like it's some shitty, trashy fucking, you know, single wide. And here you go. Have fun. Yeah, I, you know, you know I think that would be more beneficial. I agree. So, you know, I'm. Like I said, I'm kind of in the middle um, in that 
I I agree with a lot of what what has already been said in that I I want to see the practical skills move from a BVM station, a CPR station, a splinting station, a whatever a whatever skill or you know place oxygen on your patient station to those are signed off in class prior to your last day, mm-hmm. right? Because we can practice those every single week and we can go, okay, you need 25 successful sign-offs to say, this is your final sign-off. Perfect, done, you're awesome, you've got this. You will do it yes, right yeah, every would, single I would, time. I would use the sign-off, yeah, I would use the sign-off thing um, as well, this is this is your, you have to have all these different sign-offs to, to go and take the freaking final exam. To go yeah. take the do it for strictly if you don't get signed skills. off. You don't get to show up that day. Right. So, right. So like, you know, you know how like right now we have you class, like in New York state, again, I don't know how other, you know, states do this. Um, but New York state has it broken down that when you start an EMT class, you have to pass the class to then sit for the practical skills. You have to pass the practical to be able to sit for the state State final written. So why don't we go, okay, if we have, if we have a midterm and we have a final, right? For first and half Mm -hmm. of the semester, right? Now you're cutting that final, that written final, the class final in half. And the other half is, skill oriented or scenario or like I would rather see, um, you know, a scenario, you know, out of hospital scenario, 20 minute, 30 minute, whatever, give you three of them, you know, have, have one be a trauma, have one be a medical, have one be, you know, like a cardiac arrest situation where you can work in, BVM, PEDS, a special type of patient, you know, right. Down syndrome or whatever, uh, elderly, right. whatever, and you can work in splinting and your med dosages and extrication and all this other stuff as your, like, big final sign-off. Like, yep, right. you've made mo- it through these. The- cool, you can sit through. We've already signed you off on all your skills throughout this semester. You've passed these, so now you can go sit for your state final without a practical in the middle. Yeah. And like I was going to say, the, uh, the, and the best part about that is it's not just show me your monkey skill. It's Think this I'm, through. I'm, I'm actually going to get to see you make, you know, judgments. Critical, I'm right. going to see critical how your brain decisions. thinks. Yes. You know, right. Your critical thinking and you know, okay, you, you want to, you know, pull a, put a traction splint on. Okay. And they show and they demonstrate how to do a pra- traction splint, but Hey, guess what? It was a freaking hip fracture. So Yeah. You're stupid. Right. You know? And honestly, there's been a few articles that I, again, there's, there's nothing that is set in stone for what the, the NREMT board in Cincinnati is doing with this. But I've read multiple articles getting ready for this that said, this is what they're looking to do is kind of a three scenario out of hospital, 20, 30, 40 minute scenario, whatever it might be that covers all of your stations combined into one. So like yeah, you would have, for it, you'd have your CPR and your BVM station combined into one, you know, for, yeah. 
you know, for medical, you'd have your med dosages. Maybe you'd BVM them, maybe this, that, the other, your oxygen, you know, your assessment. All of that is combined into one along with your trauma, like your splinting, you know, for, for medics, maybe your intubation or your needle decompression or your IOs are in there. Like it's all combined into one 20, 30, and I, 40 minute station. And, and I'd be I like okay with that. If they were, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm for that too. I mean, I was going to say, and if they would make them all like, you know, cause I think we were the first class that had the out of hospital scenario. Yeah, we were. And, uh, yeah. If they would do them all like that, where, okay, this is how much time you have somewhere in that time. You have to make a decision to transport. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so remember how they did it where they, they, they kind of set it up like an ambulance. Yep. So yeah, do the same thing because the, I mean, now you're actually getting to see, okay, yeah, they can do all these skills and stuff, but now they also have to, you know, demonstrate the ability to understand, you know, their situation and, and know what's going on around them. And Hey, you know what? We've been here for a while. I think my patient's stable enough. Let's get the fuck out of here and go. Right. And now you're transporting. Now what are you going to do during transport? Right. You know, now you can throw some fucking weird vitals and shit at them. I go, okay, now you're bouncing down the road. What are you going to do? Right. And, you know? that, and, you know, it's funny that you, you bring up that type of, uh, you know, what we did and how we practiced the first out-of-hospital scenarios. Because I remember when they brought that up and they were like, yep, you're going to, you know, we're shortening the uh, the ALS thing, but we're putting in this, like, you know, NREMT thing that they're thinking about doing years down. And like, this was five years ago, you know, yeah. and now here it is coming to, you know, coming to the present and the forefront. And it's like. I was petrified at this station. And it's funny because I had never once failed an EMT, AEMT station. Never once. I like, mm. and the first station I ever failed was my out of hospital scenario because I was fucking retardedly stupid and I didn't do something that was a BLS thing to do. Yeah. But they, yep. you know, they rightfully failed me. And I was like, yep, you got me. <laughs> you know, like that was pretty stupid. Um, but, you know, I, I started using those for the EMTs, even though the EMTs don't have to do them. Just because it's yeah. great to make them sit there and go. Because, you know, how often do we teach like, okay, yep, we're going to transport now. Okay, cool. Boom, you're at the hospital. Or right. I would take vitals every five minutes. Okay, you, you just one... got your ass miracle to the hospital. Right. It's, it's and poof, amazing. Poof, magic, you're there. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. Well, here, it, you know, if you're 20 minutes full scenario and you're like, okay, I'm going to transport, you know, extricate them out of the house, put them on the stretcher. The stretcher goes in the ambulance. You lose your partner now. And they go, okay, you're going to start transporting? Yes, I'm going to start transporting. Cool. You have eight minutes left. You yeah. have eight minutes mm-hmm. left. You could sit there and stare at your patient and do paperwork like right. like a fool. Or you can do two sets of vitals, give a radio report, do a second assessment, look at your interventions, and utilize your eight minutes like you're supposed to. But how many pa- how many providers do you see that never reassess a patient? But that's it. And where well, do you think that came from? Because in every scenario it. they've ever been taught... You do everything you do on scene, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to transport now. Great, you're at the hospital. Right. Cool, okay, I didn't have next. to do anything. Right, because yeah, exactly. the, rest of it, the rest of it, check your interventions, reassess every five yep. minutes, and repeat vital signs is all verbal. You don't ever do it. Right. right. It's the right. same thing as BSI scene safe right. with your fucking, you know, happy hands. Jazz hands. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. So, yep. you know, 
that was one of the things that I wanted to touch touch on is the education. We have been teaching people to the practical for ever. Like literal since the day of inception of EMS, we have taught people to pass a test. This is how we're going to pass a practical. This is not how to critically think about how to treat your patients. And we all sit there. Gerard, how many times have you said it on this show alone? Fantasy land versus reality land. Like, because there is a difference. We all sit there. I'm guilty of it as as a head educator where I've gone in and be like, yep, guys, we're going to do it this way. To pass the test. Because New York State will fail you if you don't, but I really want you to do it this way because that's what's not going to kill your patient. But that's what I was just going to say. How many times you sit in a class and they're like, you only have to know this to pass the test. Once you're done with that, Forget you'll it learn all. the real world. Right. Well, Why what, are we teaching that? That's bullshit. That's that is yeah. absolute bullshit. You know, you look at any other profession. When you go to a trade school and you learn plumbing, does the plumber go, yeah, you got to you gotta make sure that you fit this pipe in, you know, this way for the state test to get your certification as a plumber, but don't ever do that for a copper pipe out in the house. No. Right. right. No other trade does that. Not one. Well. Why are we? Why are we? Because that's what we've always done. And that's that's the problem. Fuck yeah. what we've always done. We we if there's anything that we've learned from our show, it's to fuck what we have always done. <laughs> yeah. Like there needs by the to way, be I, a change. I, and by the way, I I, I the twelve year old in me picked up on it, but I, I kind of bit my tongue, but I did pick up on the uh, you know, you're you're the head instructor. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> I just thought I'd put that out there. Uh, so you got to pay extra for that? Children. <laughs> we have Emily back. She's calling us children. Children. Kelsey, I'm with you. Yeah, they are literal children. We are the entertainment arm of this show. Uh, Thank you very much. All right. That's all, that's all I got in life anymore. How did you three raise me? You I didn't raise, raise you. I was raised by two thirds children, three quarters <laughs> children. If we throw Corey in, oh yeah, I only have known you for like two and a half years. It qualifies. You are my preceptor. So must have yeah. that you started those, with me. The, we have half the EMTs convinced you're my actual dad. That's great. That's serious. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. That is actually creepy. Like. They, we were lit- Did you hear this story? No. Oh, right, Kelsey, you got to tell M this story because it is is creepy and hilarious all at the same time. He said something to me, and I was like, "Yes, Dad." <laughs> and one of the EMTs looks at me, and, and she's like, "Is that your dad?" Did you? And go he with the straightest face ever just goes, "Yes." I did. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Which equally starts a bad precedent, but I thought it was hilarious at the time. <laughs> But, you know, circling back to education, so, like, you know. Oh, you're going to circle back? I'm, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back. Um, All right. So, 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 really, circling back to the education part, you know, we teach, you know, all the time we tell our students, memorize the sheets, memorize the sheets. It's what you're going to be tested on. You have to know your sheets. 
You know, some instructors give them on day one. Some instructors give them halfway through. Other instructors wait until three weeks before. Like, but it there's always that you got to know your sheets. Memorize your sheets. Hey, guys, even if I'm not telling you, go online and find them and start studying them in private. Like, but that, I love the sheets for the reason that when they give you the process. They give you the base. They give you the the foundation yeah. so that when you are like over, you know, you are sunken in, you're well above your pay grade and you're freaking out, you have something to exactly. go. Okay. What was my base? Right. A, B, C. Okay, cool. Let's go back to that. Right. But there's no critical thinking in that. And it's you just see that the in airway. the providers, though. And you see it in, yes, you see 100%. it in the providers. So how do we move the, move the, you know, the, the needle in still utilizing the sheets or not utilizing the sheets? Like, how do we get the better provider that still knows the foundational process but can critically think through the process. I don't think you take the sheets away. I think you need them. You need them to provide that foundation to these new providers so that when they're in their first year and they're like, I have no fucking clue what I'm looking at, they're going to fall back onto something. But you need to take all of the pressure off the sheets because that's not how you're going to be as a provider. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. When we have, you know, a class and they're all on the sheets, on the sheets, on the sheets, and then all of a sudden, you know, they come into, you know, our fun scenario that we do and uh, <laughs> oh they're just God. like, they have no fucking clue because nothing, none of what we do fits into their sheets. Right. right. Yeah. You know, it's actually, you have to stop and think and, and combine a bunch of different shit together to get to the right answer and figure out what the fuck to do. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so I mean, when you see that deer in the headlights look, they, it, it's like, yeah, no, they've been on the sheets the whole fucking time. And now this is something they, they've never seen and they've never had to even think about because it doesn't fit in, you know, A, B, C, D, uh, do me OPQRST. Where does it hurt? Are you going to ask the dude that's, you know, at the freaking desk with, you know, the twisted T's has it, where does it hurt? Right. You know, it, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> there's there's no know, pain involved. He's feeling no pain. Right. Woohoo. Yeah. She. <laughs> she. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, but it, it's it's so true in the fact that we're almost miseducating the, mm-hmm. the, the you know, providers of tomorrow, giving them a false foundation because we're not teaching them to critically think because we're reliant so hard on the sheet. So then, you know, it, how would you guys I mean, go would, about... Use, go ahead, I, say, I, would use, I would use the sheets in, the, in a classroom, you know, for a classroom thing, for teaching the foundation, teaching the basics, you know, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to do a scenario. Let's go ahead, you know, know your sheets to do, get you through learning how to BVM or learning how to work in AED or, you know, learning how to splint, that kind of shit. But then once you get past that learning phase and now you're into the application phase where now we're going to actually use this shit that you've learned, sheets go bye-bye and, you know, keep them for reference, you know, in case you need to freaking, you know, remember something. But now, now you're, now it's all scenario based training. Now it's all going to be, but you right know, you there. walk in, you know, the, the octopus that's trained and, you know, not letting go of the face is going to be there and you know, all that shit, you know? 
Nice. Right there. I love and that's that. A, that, that was a fire, fire Department Chronicles reference for I, anybody who doesn't know. I know. Oh, it was <laughs> I great. I did get it over my head. Oh, but right there yeah, is where phenomenal. the difference is because especially like in the programs in our area, anybody can go to this class and they gear their education to the lowest level provider and it shows. So when all of our people, so you're saying, you know, I'm going to go with a 14 year old that's never done this before. And then me who's had all this years of experience and they're going to teach us at the exact same level because they have to, because anybody's allowed in these classes Mm -hmm. and all they, these schools care about is their pass rates. They don't care about the provider they're putting on the street. Nope. And that's where this whole cookie cutter provider comes in. So then my my big question is, how do you guys believe we fix this? You have From, to make it more competitive to get in. And I'm not saying, yeah. like, oh, there's a wait list because everybody wants to be a paramedic. Like, I remember when the local school started interviewing their candidates to get in, and everybody was up in arms about that. Like, I can't believe I have to do interview for this. I'm going to pay for the class. Who cares? Like, you should have to interview. Yeah. You should not be allowed as an EMT for less than a year to get into this program. Mm-hmm. Go right. learn not your only, shit. Yeah. yeah. Not only did we have to interview, but we, yeah, you had to be an EMT for at least one year. Right. Before they even talk to you. But now, okay. and, then the, and then the next year it was like, okay, anybody, you know, doors are open. But there's, no, there is something to be said about, you know, something. Having a foundation. Something yeah. Something that is less, less accessible is worth more. I agree. You, you need know, to make it more competitive. So then how do you do that at the BLS level? Because these are people like ALS level. It's easy. Yeah. You suck. Like. You suck. You're not getting into my program. But it's it's different on a BLS level, too, because, like, Kelsey and I had been riding on an ambulance since we were 14, so now we turn 17, we can finally do this. I've got three years' experience. Mm -hmm. So should I not be allowed in because, or, you know, somebody who maybe doesn't have that opportunity, they're not allowed in because they didn't have that you know, their but local that, agency. But, again, that's what I'm saying. So, right. like, we, you, you have to be lenient on the BLS providers, right. but that's still creating but, a possibility of having really shitty BLS 100% providers. Cookie cutter. So, like, so, so, like you said, with midterm stuff, I mean, you, you know me, I want to put a bell in the fucking, you know, in the classroom. Ding. I, I think that's that's the point. It's you get halfway through the course, okay, and now you're evaluated. You know, we were evaluated halfway through ours, you know, where they'd say, hey, here's where you at. Here's where you need to freaking work on, you know, or you just completely suck. And maybe you should think about, you know, doing something else. Right. And but they won't say that because they want your money for the class. Well, tough shit. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I would say like halfway through there has to be a, a, a standard. You meet the, you know, you meet the bar, you, you continue on. You don't meet the bar, you get rolled back to the next class, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I... <laughs> Because you would, can't keep trying, you can't keep dragging everybody else down. So with people who don't want to put any effort in. So you know? I, I agree and disagree with that, and and here's why. So I I I am so for the bell. I I want the bell in the class, and I know that I would get fired so fast if I put a goddamn bell in the class. However, I don't think so. I think it'd be great. Dude, I'd get fired so fast it wouldn't be funny. Cuz now you're now you're going against New York State education law where you can't, you know, uh, you know, parade a defeatist student, you know, and mock a student in front of the rest but of the But how many people are going to keep going? It's entirely their choice. But hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So it's called, it's called drop on request. It's for, their choice. Forget it, you the know, bell. They just have to accept the shame. But nobody's going to request that. <laughs> forget the bell. Forget the bell. The bell is just a, a, it's a fun thing that, yes, I wish we could do, right? We're not the SEAL yeah. team. 
it, it, <laughs> it, will, it will not happen. However, from an educational standpoint, you know, when you look at students who struggle to understand stuff, right? You always have that like sponge student, right? Could happen at a young age, could happen middle, adult, whatever, it doesn't matter. And you are putting so much effort into this kid or adult or whoever, and there is no return. They're not getting it. They're not going to get it. And ultimately, you can pull that student for as long as you can. But ultimately, there's going to come a point where they are now a waste of resources because you've come to the point where that sponge is full. They're not going any further. And the more time you're wasting on them, you're now neglecting the students that are going to succeed. So, and, and not, and that's not everybody, you know, those are the very few students that are like that, that just aren't cut out for this. And ultimately I think certain scenarios, certain tests, certain meetings with their, with their educators, weed those students out on their own. They come to the realization, Hey, this isn't for me. Okay, cool. But I also think that starts day one when yeah. your education, you know, when your educator, your CIC sets the standard and expectations for the class. When they go, yeah, guys, this class is fucking hard. And I am going to, you know, literally drive your brain into the ground day after day after day. But you know what? You're going to come out a way better provider than anybody else. If you're committed 150 billion percent, you're going to make it. If you're committed 99%, you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way it's going to be. Most educators will not set that standard because they want. It's a numbers game. They want the numbers game. They don't want to come into the class with 20 students and pass three. They want to go in with 20 and pass 18. Right, because then they can go and say, well, we have such a successful program. We want everybody's referrals to us. And that's where part of this issue comes. I don't, you know, I disagree. Like, yes, the bell is funny. And I disagree with that because I shouldn't be shamed when I come to the realization that like, this is not for me. That's okay. This is not for everyone. Right. I'm glad you realize that now in class, instead of in front of a dying patient. Damn skipping. That's when I want you to make that. So I don't want to embarrass you and say, like, go ring the bell. Like, I get it. It's funny. I love it. Do it. Put it in there. I'd love it. (laughs) But I want that to be a conversation with me. Yeah. Because, like, maybe as an educator, and I'm not an educator, maybe that conversation with Turek, when they're talking to you, they'd be like, listen, I noticed you did really well in these three things. Maybe you should look at this career path. Yeah. Here's how I can help you. Because the other thing is, is when I come to the realization of, like, I'm shit at this. I need to find something else. They just put you back to the street and like, good luck. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. There's no other. But, uh, there's been it. a lot of people. You know, I, I know what you're saying. I, I'm just also thinking of. There's been a lot of people that we've had that. Uh, you know, they get to that point where, oh, I'm I'm shit at this. I suck. Meanwhile, they don't. It's just you know, a little more effort is all they need. A little more, you know, motivation. Right, motivation, and, confidence, whatever it might be. Yeah, confidence, whatever it may be. Yeah, hey, and Kelsey. Then, you know, there, there, there have been more than more than a few that, uh, you know, that, you know, they get to that point, you give them pep talk, all that good stuff. And all of a sudden they turn it around and then all of a sudden they rock the house and it's like, damn, all right, cool. But you maybe know? they're not ready at that point in their life to do that either. I mean, like, yeah. 
at you know, there's definitely people that don't need to be doing this. I hundred percent. But at 17, you're like, wow, I'm going to be a shitty paramedic. I'm going to drop this. But then at 20, 25, you'd be like, I can fucking rock the shit out of this. I'm ready. And that, you know, you should be allowed to come back into it. And that was me. I mean, when, when I, I mean, I got my EMT, um, Jesus, I was 20 and I waited until I was 30 until I went to paramedic school or I was 29. I got it when I was 30. So it was, you know, and, and I had actually originally signed up for the same exact class, same exact school, different instructors, you know, whatever, like four years prior to that, I, I wanted to wait for my first research. That was a choice by myself. And then my in during my second research, everyone was like, oh, you should do it. You should do it. You should do it. They all started pressuring me. In. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And I physically, mentally was not ready. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready to go back to school. It was literally like, I am going to fail at this. I don't want to do this. Exactly. And then I waited another four years until I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to rock this. But that's exactly it. I mean, I've been in EMT for 12 years now. 12. And now is the first time that I thought, not the first, but like now is like, okay, I could get through paramedic school. I could be a good paramedic. What? I was <laughs> way willing to go to nursing school before I was willing to go to paramedic because the last thing crazy. the world needs is a fucking shitty paramedic. You can be a shitty nurse all you want and get away with it. I mean, you can be a shitty paramedic and get away with yeah, it too. Yeah, but why would you want to? <laughs> because people do all the time. Well, it's not like it pays well. That's it doesn't make it okay. That's, uh, yeah, I, I feel like if I was going to be crappy in my profession, just get my day well by day, well, I'd go right? something that right? pays like, well a bit more. I paid well to be a shitty nurse. I mean, but that's like, true. Like but if I had tried right. this 10 years ago and then dropped out of it, that would have been my, de- you know, and if it was my decision, does that mean like, oh, well, you failed out, you know, 10 years ago, you can never come back. Like, no, right. because you grow as a human. Yeah, And absolutely. that's why I think that that should be a discussion between a student and their professor as like this that's whole, like you're not how many yet. people, you know, they, you know, this is a taxing career. How many people walk away and they just need a month off, two months off, even just well, take a week. They go away for yeah, a year because they're like, I need Florida. a break, and they come back. It's glorious. Does make you a bad everything. provider? No. Well, no. What I, so, so where I was kind of going with was, yeah, have that, have that like midpoint, you know, mid-course evaluation, and and yeah, not kick them to the curb and say, you know, Ring you suck, bell. go, you know, Burger King's hiring out here, you know, but have it to where, hey, you know what? You're not meeting the standards. You know, there's something going on. It's, I don't know if it's a motivation thing or if it's a learning thing, whatever it is, but it ain't happening. So we're Let's roll you back and you start the course again, you know, the next time it starts. Yeah, so and, maybe you know, we can fix the problem. One, you of know? The, one of the things too, Gerard, is, and I think this is a, a lack of uh, education. Is gonna, just follow me for a second. There's a lack of education for the educators of EMS, right? Yeah. In that the first thing, if I'm a, so if I'm a CEO of a company, Right. And we have really bad sales for the first quarter. Right. And everything is down. Production's down. Values down. Stocks are down. Everything is in the shitter. What am I going to do? I'm going to go, okay, where did I go wrong? What did I Mm -hmm. do to cause this? It's not the employee's fault. It's my fault because I own this business. 
Right. How many times do educators of EMS go in and go, okay, I just looked at a, a certain test. I looked at a certain quarter. I looked at a certain module. Five of these students are not getting it, but they got the module before. What happened? What happened? I yeah. taught it the same. Did they understand it? Did I teach something differently? Why? How did I fuck it up that they're not understanding it? If I can, if I can reevaluate my own performance, then go to them and go, okay, hey, this is what I noticed. I, I, I feel like you're, you're on a downslope here. I want you on an upslope. Like, was it something that I did? Were you not getting the material? Was it a homework assignment that really tricked you? Like, what was it? And if they're yeah. like, yeah, you did it, then I need to physically change my program. If it's well, that, I we, now it, I can sit there and go, hey, okay, it's not me. What did you not understand that's, you know, hey, is there a life event? Did your grandma just die and right. now you're exactly. slipping? And you know what? Yeah. Okay, we're going to work through that together. This, we need to reevaluate, not just go, well, you don't understand, so get the fuck out. But how many how many educators actually do that? How many times do saying. you get a test None. and you have 50% of the class miss one question on it? And you go, well, I've had 10 classes before this and they've all done fine. So I don't know what yeah. the fuck is your guys' problem. Right. Well, maybe it's the how you presented ever, it. Maybe that's a shitty question. You should fucking throw it away. So the yeah. best thing that happened is my teacher my senior year, her policy was that if half the class got the question wrong automatically the points are revoked. It wasn't counting towards your grade, which like, mm -hmm. whatever, at the end of the day, a grade's a grade. I mean, you know, maybe to one person, that's the difference between passing and failing. But then she would sit there and she would go through the question. She would go through each answer and like, okay, what it, and Why more often than this? not half the class that got it wrong, you know, there was the three people that chose some random answer because they took a wild guess, but everybody else chose the same exactly. wrong answer. Yeah. Exactly. She yep. would walk through it and she'd be like, question. okay, like, exactly. and she would find a way to reteach it so we would understand. Exactly. And even if she had to reteach an hour-long lesson plan based on one question, yep. because in her mind, either it was a bad question or she didn't teach it to the effect that she should have. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's the sign of an educator who understands it's, it's, it's on me at the end. Right. I'm the CEO of that classroom. So I can't just sit there and go, okay, memorize your sheets and you'll be fine out there. You can't do that. You have to teach them how to work through problems critically, right? We all want the critically thinking EMT and paramedic. The only way you get that is by making by, them think, by making them think, right? Give well, them, give them easy yeah, scenarios, but give them difficult hard too. scenarios too where yeah. they're put under a little bit of pressure, where they have to think critically, where how am I going to get this patient out safely? How am I going to give this certain, if it's, you know, ALS, how am I going to give this certain medication? Mm -hmm. Like, am I going to need to call a doc for this weird thing? These are things that they need to be going through. We talked in the last episode about doing, you know, doing the crazy you know, nonsense calls, but also doing the mundane calls. Mm -hmm. You need to have these people sit there and go through a lift assist with grandma that just wants to tuck your ear off or, you know, the slightly confu more confused nursing home patient that possibly has a UTI, but is completely BLS stable 
and all you're going to do is transport them taking vital signs. But you need to understand that that's 99% of our calls. You know, the, you know, massive upside down intubation with one hand while you're sucking a cock in one arm, you know, and, and under a <laughs> Wait, tanker. What, tra- what yeah. the hell scene are you on? Oh, look, you paid Oh, wait, hold on. He, he did what say he was the provider are you? You're, you're, say, you're on the our, greatest provider ever. Yeah, you're on You're on our last Patreon episode. Um, I was, was, was going to say he, he is the head instructor, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, but realistically, like, you know, the, yeah, you need those crazy calls, but you also need the realistic calls too, right. you know? And the only way that you're going to do that is by setting up lab in a way that you're teaching these, these students, you know, to be prepared for the out of hospital scenario. Mm-hmm. We should be teaching them how to be clinicians in the field and not just mundane mm-hmm. list followers because how many times have you got, you know, Gerard, you said it earlier, deer in the headlights kind of look. You go in and we are so focused on, okay, I've done this. What now do I do? Okay, I'll just right. sit here for 30 minutes until a paramedic gets here. No, do something. Yeah. Right. Do something. Just because it's not on your sheet doesn't mean you don't have to do something. You know, like, but we don't teach that. I feel like also to a certain extent, like, eventually, I mean, in EM, traditional EMT classes, even if you say three months, that's 12 weeks that you are in the same lab rooms. And, like, even the best of instructors, and I've been put through some phenomenal scenarios, at the end of the day, it is still your instructors. You can kill this patient as many times as you want, and they are still going to grade you and wake back up afterwards. Yep. And I feel like that's where, you know, your most important and what makes or breaks you as a provider, yes, is in the lab. But I feel like even more than that is where you do your ride time. And I feel like if you want, you're going to get rid of your PSEs and your standardized testing, then you need to have a more standardized reason for your preceptors. Because every, you know, every paramedic functions differently. So you should have to ride with three different medics at two different agencies because, yeah, it's going to be a pain in the butt. But at the end of the day, you're going to get three different perspectives and you're going to be able to pick and choose what you like and what you don't like. And like have that one main person to track your progress. But after that, if you want to go ride with 10 different people on 10 different shifts just to see how they do it and what they do differently, then I think that you should be able to because that is what is going to make or break you. But when somebody's watching over your shoulder in that real life situation. That's also why I say you should never do your clinical ride time at your home agency. You're way too fucking comfortable there. Yeah. Go out, yeah. see the world, see how everybody else does it. Take the best of everything you've ever learned from anyone and put it together. And also at the other point too is I think, you know, at least in New York state, New York has laxed the yeah. ride time requirements for BLS, not so much ALS, but for the BLS provider so much. I mean, oh. just just in the time that I have been a provider. So I got my EMT cert in 2007. In 2007, I needed to do 24 hours of inpatient, like not inpatient, in person, um, on a contact. on a you know on an ambulance patient contact hours. I needed X amount of cardiac, X amount of respiratory. Those those were the only two that I needed. But I needed to do 24 full hours. 
Then I also needed to do eight hours of in-hospital ER time where I could do patient assessments. I could do, you know, follow around the nurse and the doctor. I could do vital signs. Like, I could just be helpful, getting comfortable with talking to people. Now, you need to do eight hours in a truck, in an ambulance, zero calls. Keep uh, keep guessing because uh, or there's a, cl- an option. a class just went through that uh, they had zero ride time, like zero. Yeah, like that was like, how my EMT class was like, because or, of COVID. They agencies yeah. were refusing students at the time. Right yeah. now, COVID, I can understand. That's gonna put you know the whole monkey wrench into the system. I get it, but we're post COVID. We're getting back to real life here, you know, and. If we don't up the stand, like, you know, most of these programs, there's nothing that says this is the minimum. There's nothing that says you can't add on to the minimum as right. a, as a CIC. Mm. And this is your class. Your right, class like the is going to be number of pieces of flair. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, New York state can say they can hand down, you need eight hours in a truck. Well, I could say as the head CIC of my program, I could say you need to do, you 12 know, hours in a truck and eight hours in a hospital or right. Whatever or I could be. say you need to do 12, 12 hour shifts through the program. Boom. But and, then also you know, on the flip side of that is if I can go through and I can, you know, you're going to get those people that would rather take your class, but why am I going to go take your class and you're going to make me do all this free work, free labor when I can go take XYZ fire department's class and do none of that do and still end up with the same certification? Because I'll still pass the state test and all I care about is the pass rates. And yeah. that's exactly. where this comes all comes back to. Yeah. You know, but I get where Kelsey's coming from. It's hard to be from. the like, one outlier a, program. As a student, I can see where, you know, where that might be like if you're new and you're a BLS provider, right? And or not like just say you're just Joe Blow that wants to do an EMT program, right? And you're searching around and you're looking through all of these requirements and stuff, and you do see, you know, Turek's program, all of these requirements, but then you see, you know, Smith's program, and it's half of that at the same cost, you're gonna be like, oh well, fuck it, that's less work. However, I also think that if you're coming from a background of you've been riding at an agency because you're a junior or you're a volunteer that's just not certified in anything or you're on a fire department or whatever and you're now like, I'm going to get my EMT, I think the people that are in the know will sit there and be like, it'll just be like any other medic program. You go to X medic program because it's better. Yeah, you're going to go through the ringer, but you're going to come out better. But part of that is also, so like I'm going to tie into nursing because I went to a nursing program that had higher requirements than anywhere else in New York State. So I had to do like an extra 200 clinical hours over any other nursing program in New York State. And part of that is I'm going You got a badass over here. Okay. Just for but you. Part of that is like their placement is better. Their providers are coming out of school smarter, more prepared. That spoke to itself. When you look at EMS education and all they're looking at is the pass rate at the end of the class, they're not looking at how good your, your providers are in the field. 
So when you go and you're on a call and you're like, that was the worst provider I have ever seen in my life. But the thing too that you have to re- remember is the pass and fail rate. So at least again, New York State specifically, right? When when I'm being evaluated as a CIC, I'm being evaluated on my pass fail exactly. rate. Exactly. But nothing right? further. But right. But the students are not being evaluated on anything outside of the like they're not going, "Oh, well how many are placed?" How many are this? How many have five or more years in EMS service? There, there's none of that. Right. It's and and the crazy thing about New York State, and this is what's just blows my mind. Right. I could start with twenty students. Right. I could test five. Right. I lose fifteen students in my class. I I send five to the state final. All five pass. I have a 100% pass Mm -hmm. rate. Wow. Not 25%. I have a 100% pass rate because it's all the amount that you send to To the the test, test. not that you start with. But that's what I'm saying. Why is that the the benchmark (laughs) in EMS? Is garbage. That's not the benchmark in other professions. In nursing, you start with 30 and you graduate 20. That counts against you as a program. Yeah. Yeah, and and where's yeah. why is that metric like that I is? Have no I no idea. We I I don't know. I'm not an educator. I have no idea. I'm an Turek, educator, and I don't. Me. I don't even know. I, fuck if I know. But you, I mean, you see it even in our area up here. Like, oh, that was a really sh- shitty paramedic. They went to Y school, right? And that's why everybody goes to X school, and they're like, well, they just put out better p- providers, right? So like, you see that, but at the same time, if it's cheaper to go to X school. And the requirements are less. Why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I do that? Yeah, right. easy but way also, out. if you think about it, too, is you're basing it specifically on, like, you know, I got into this and I'm going to X school because every paramedic that I've ever worked with told me that this was a school if I wanted to go be a paramedic to work with. If you talk at an EMT level, Joe Schmo, who saw, you know, some really cool movie or did a CPR mm-hmm. class once or had the red, like, whatever reason you got into EMS isn't going to know that, you know, Turk's class is better than Joe Schmo's class, even though he has all these requirements. So he's going to go to Joe Schmo's class. And the people in Turk's class already do 30 hours a week volunteer time. So they might not necessarily need all that extra ride time that random guy off the street needs. Right. And that's kind of what I was alluding to. Everything in this business is word of mouth. Very hard for new people to get in and know what's good and what isn't. Even with that. I was going to say that actually harkens back to what Emily was saying way back to fuck, you know, in the beginning of this. And that is, yeah, when you have something that's, that's more difficult to even get into its value is, is way, higher. way much more than, yeah, it's way higher. Cause like right. when I, when I decided to go to, you know, make, make my choice to go to either X or Y, I signed up to go to X and I went through the, the screening process and all that stuff where that, you know, it wasn't guaranteed that I was going to get in, you know, and it was, when I got in, it was like, all right, I'm in now. I need to make the best of this. This is, you know, exactly. this is the, this this is the is fucking major chance. leagues here. Right. I mean, you, you know, even, I, uh, yeah. And you look at it, look at all of the higher level colleges that people flock to, right? Boston University, mm-hmm. Harvard, Yale, Cornell, all of these higher level institutions, right? They have lines out the door. To get in and be rejected. Mm-hmm. But yet people always sit there and go, 
because they provide the best quality education, but they're the fucking most ridiculous, hardest programs to get into. Right. There's a reason behind that because they're the best, right? You are competitive if, like, you make it competitive if you're the best. You know, if you're just Joe Blow's program, whatever, you know, Corey and Topanga reference, if you're Boris College, (laughs) right, you're... Thank you for getting that, Em. I appreciate <laughs> the one movie reference I drop in a while. She gets is perfect gold for me. Um, yeah, it's gonna be treated I, as I, such. I, I, I didn't get it. I know you didn't. What? That's why that he didn't watch Boy Meets World. I know it's shocking. You're showing face. your age, Gerard. Wait, how did oh, I get on. the reference and Gerard didn't? Right? Because because to me, Fred Savage was the Wonder Years. Fred Savage but- wasn't in it. I thought that, I thought Fred Savage was in Boy Meets World, right? Calm down, old man. Go take your air up. Fred, oh. <laughs> oh my god! Christ. Fred Savage was in Boy Meets World in the like seventh season when they were in college. He played he played a college professor, but it was oh, okay. it was Ben Savage, his younger brother, that played Corey, the main character uh. of Boy Meets World. Gotcha. So, Fred, right. yes, Fred Savage was the Wonder Years. Ben oh. Savage was Corey Matthews. Yeah, you know how you, I you feel got, you got me all up the too time. Late. You know, I, I, I already missed Matlock because of you. <laughs> He's on the Murder, She Wrote, and then Columbo. Right. Nash will be on soon, don't worry. <laughs> Let me know how Columbo uh, smokes his uh, cigar tonight. Uh, I, I, I think he's going to forget to ask a question. <laughs> um. So, yeah, you know, I, I ultimately think if you make, com, you know, a competitive EMT program that is harder to get into, I think you guys are on the right track in that, you know. Um, I think that would that would help solve a lot of your, you know, where you're trying to you know, pull the hair out of your head about, you know, what to do about education. And I really do think it if you want to, you know, us to be elevated, you know, in stature as a whole and your whole thing is, well, we have to do better with the education. Well, there's one thing right there, you know, and even with EMT, you know, starting with, you know, an EMT original class, don't make it where, hey, you know, put another dollar in, you know, you got to fucking, you got, you know, you got to check, you're in. No, make it a selective process where, you know, hey, we have 15 slots and, uh, you know, we'll interview, you know, whatever, 50. And out of the 50, we're taking the 15 that, you know, interviewed the best. Yeah. And that's it. Done. I don't know why that will never happen specifically in our area because there's a shortage. There's a staffing shortage. Your point? And their solution is to put as many EMTs, get as many EMTs through the class and put them on an ambulance because it's a body in a seat. Yeah. Right. That is, that is the, that's the mantra right now. That is the mantra right now. That doesn't mean that Turek wouldn't do that in his next EMT class. You should interview them. I mean, let me sit down, please. Okay, but also you are one person turning out 30 EMTs a year. Okay. Granted, I will give it to you that 30 EMTs a year is, you know, say you have a class of 15 for two semesters. 30 EMTs a year is a lot, but a lot of it also comes as what happens after your EMT class. I mean, you can preach good values all you want. If they don't go to an agency where that's mm-hmm. going to happen or there's not continuous education or anything like that, I mean – there's only so much you can do. And like, it's the whole, like, you know, you pick up the one jellyfish and you put it in the ocean and, you know, there's a million other jellyfish, but for that one jellyfish, you change that one little jellyfish life. 
you're changing those 30 people's lives and hopefully they go and change more people's lives. But at the end of the day, you were three months of their life and a lot of it also comes afterwards. I mean, the hope is that you change it one at a time because, you know, you have to change this. Our system sucks. Yeah, our system's broke. And you have to change it from ground zero up. And yeah. the hope is that out of those 30 students, that if you change or you, you know, form the way they think out of 15 of them, that's 15 people that are going to go preach your values. Yeah. And like, that's all you can hope for. And, and you know, we said it in the last episode that we have to start getting in the mindset of, you know, we talk about Foster all the time, right? We talk about Mark all My the hero. freaking time, right? He's our hero, but... Gerard, myself, Emily, Corey, all of us are the generation of providers that are going to be Mark's replacement. Yeah. Right? And Kelsey is our replacement. Mm -hmm. So if if we can... Um, you guys aren't going anywhere yet. I'd just like to make that known. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going anywhere anytime soon because I have a computer in my chest. Um <laughs> So, but, but realistically, that's the way we have to think about mm -hmm. it, right? So if we can sit there and go, okay, our generation of providers, right? Our age group of providers can sit there and take the Kelsey's of the world, which that is a lot of sunshine and unicorns <laughs> and rainbows up everyone's butt. But if way, you could take way too much, if you could take the Kelsey's of no the world, I have no unicorns. I don't believe in unicorns. Glitter, uh -huh. yeah, glitter. What uh, a minute! You don't believe no, no, in no. unicorns. Glitter is an STD you can't get rid of. Yeah, but that's Damn! what that's what, what we need mean? to be. We need to not get rid of us. That's <laughs> it. Sprinkle your glitter everywhere. But that's it. Like if and i'm i am of the opinion of you m in that if i can sit there and i can take one kelsey mm -hmm. and bring them to preach to the masses right. the you know the best way of doing ems then maybe as those old curmudgeons get out and as our generation gets older and gets out they're now teaching the next generation. That's how you change EMS. That it, it, it needs to start from the providers that are going to be in our spot in 20 years. Exactly. You know, because you and I are in this 15 years, mm -hmm. right? And eventually we're going to be in it, you know, 30 and be getting out of it. Mm -hmm. Well, now Kelsey's in it for 15 years, right. you know, and she's going to be in our spot. And it's like, okay, well, what are you doing to... Bring up the next people. Exactly. And I also feel like, I mean, specifically to like me, I mean, I've been, was with a junior since I was 14. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I always have had the running joke in my head that I was like, like, you know, you see people do things and you're like, wow, like I would never do it like that way. And then in my back of my head, it's like, oh, like I was raised by like the Yates of EMS and like <laughs> the people that actively want yeah, right? to make a change and a difference. And yes, I do attribute a lot of it to you and Corey M. So thank you guys. <gasps> my heart is Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because if you think about it, I was raised by Notice people like you guys and other providers that are right agency who were actively invested in helping, you know, the 14, 15, 15 year old get involved and learn. And like, those are the providers that I feel like, you know, had I gone into a different agency that would have just eaten me alive and chewed me up mm -hmm. and spit me out because I was just a useless 15-year-old who knew absolutely nothing about anything, 
probably wouldn't be the provider that I'm going to be when I get out of paramedic school. But when you're, you know, when you're a paramedic and now you have an intern, you're never going to treat somebody like, oh, well, you're just useless. You have no education. Like it is what it is. You know, you're just the helper. You're going to, to make them a better provider. And that's, that's the glitter you need to sprinkle. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've showed up like as a BLS provider with first responders and I'll be like, hey, like grab me a blood pressure. Exactly. And I had one that looked at me. He's like, I can't do that. And I was like, what do you mean you can't do that? And he's like, mind you, he did not look 16. Apparently he was 16. He's like, well, haven't been trained in that. Like, I'm just I'm 16 first day here. And it's like, OK, well, today's the day we're going to learn. Right. Now. Here, let me yeah, show yeah. you. Instead but that's of being it. like, oh, get out of my way. Here, let me show you. Exactly. Like, and, and I've got the time what, to show you. They're right. not dying. And that's that is the like, mindset. That is the mindset that we have to spread everywhere. Exactly. Right. It's the take you under your wing kind of thing. For the people that are worth it, there's always going to be the and, and this is this is Frank. There is always the provider that you look at that goes, yep, I am not going to waste my time because you know what? I have all the best intentions, but they don't want it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to then take the Kelsey's of the world who clearly I see want to be the best and spend my time there and not spend my time on just wasted energy. You know, I feel like it's, Go ahead. Sorry. I, I feel like it's really important to know, too, is like when you mention the people that you don't want to waste your time on, you're mentioning the people that don't have a desire to get better. Because like right. we have all right. met that provider who at the beginning, when you first met them, whether they were in your EMT class or whatever, you were scared. You were like, they are going to take care of my family one day. Your and like, I am nervous. And then, you know, you saw them three years later. And because they had that desire to keep learning. You were like, I would want you to treat me over the other half the people I knew back when we graduated EMT class. And I feel like it's important to note that, like, you know, you might not just because you might not, nat- you know, naturally get it or your IV skills are absolutely terrible or whatever it may be that, like, if you have the desire to learn and be better, even if it takes triple the amount of time to help you figure it out, like That's there need, are though. people that are going to help you. Exactly. Yeah. Follow my and philosophy. If you're going to go down, go down in flames. Don't, yeah. don't go down like a punk. But find them. You if know? you're at an agency and you know, you're not getting it or you're not improving and you're like, wow, I just don't get this. Find somebody that's going to help you. Not somebody that's going to sit on their ass and yeah. fucking nap on the right. couch. You have to be active yeah. in this business. Like there, you know, if you are not a go getter, Get out. You not even just get out, but you need to really look deep inside of you and figure out how you can become a go getter because you need to be active. You need to sit there and be like, oh, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. So, yeah. I love it when asked me a question like, you know, why did I do that or, you know, how, you know, how to do something or, or I mean, I've, I've had them where that, like, literally just like what you said, where, you know, I'm like, all right, you know, let's throw a, uh, throw the four lead on and, you know, it was a, uh, a volunteer provider and they were like, I, I don't know how to do that. And I said, okay, well, here's how, you, here's how we do it. Yep. All right. And I handed them the stuff and told them where to put it. But you know? even like every I single day, thing, no. but I enjoy, I, I enjoy the stuff like that. Like, you know, when an EMT after a call or something, you know, where I'm working and they're like, Hey, uh, you know, what was the deal with that? Why did, why did, why did you want to do that? Or why didn't you want to do this? You know, and then I get to freaking go, go over things and, and go right down the whole freaking rabbit hole. And it's, uh, it, yeah, it, it's kind of a cool thing to do. Well, and then that makes you better, too, because, like, the whole thing is, you know, there's that whole saying, like, oh, well, those that can't do teach. But, like, 
If you nice. can actively teach it back to somebody, <laughs> you can wink. do it no problem. And yeah. I feel like an important thing to note, too, is, like, you know, you ask for help, and, like, you've got that person, and they're like, you know, F you, whatever, you should already know that, blah, 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 blah. Go ask again. I mean, when we did Airway Day in class, like, I think I had, like, I don't know, every instructor ever came up and showed me how to do the intubation. I was like, it, this is just not clicking in my head. Like, I can do it. It doesn't feel right. Like, something's not right. And then I went back and Turk showed me how he did it, and that was what clicked for me. And there are other people that, you know, like, instructor A is what clicks for them versus, you know, mm-hmm. paramedic 7894 is what clicks for them. Mm-hmm. There are so many people who do it in this business so many different ways that if, like, one person isn't getting you what you need, go ask Keep somebody going. else. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the best things is, you know, that, that that law of primacy where things that are first learned are best remembered. And, yeah, you know, even to this day, I will never forget that if I have to intubate somebody from a sitting position because of my height, I have to do a gangster lean because our instructor <laughs> that day, I was like, you know, I was like a monkey fucking a football. I'm like, I, I, I don't know, man. But you know, the freaking the tubes in the guy's ass, and I don't, I don't, I don't know how it got there, <laughs> you know. And he's like, no, you're too tall to be intubating like that, you know, in a sitting position. In that position, you need to. And he, in his words, he's like, you got to get that gangster lean going. And that just clicked in my head. And as soon as I did, I did that lean back, you know, a little cock to the side. Boom! It, I was nailing it every fucking time. That would be the thing that in the clicks face with, with you. Ten mil flush every time because I had my glasses, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I got it. <laughs> right. So in so we're we're running super long on this one, but I think, you know, all of the information that that we're talking about, I, I loved listening just listening to this discussion because it really lends itself to a lot of the issues that we've been having. And I think, you know, again, there's so many running themes of our show. I mean the 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 no, like I literally need to make a list of running themes in this show because now we're getting up into you know the forty episode marks, and wow. it's it yeah like right? this is episode forty one on free versions. There's even more on Patreon, so it's really tough to remember all of our running things that we do. But you know, education standards and you know everything that we spoke about today and just trying to change education and EMS culture as a whole really starts at the provider mm-hmm. right it you have to be a provider to be an educator in this business if you're not changing as a provider and taking the things that we're you know we don't know and we're not the end all be all but i think one of the greatest things that we do in this in this show is we display and present solutions that nobody wants to talk about. Right. There is, there is no fear on this show to call you out and be like, you suck. Right. The way you've been doing it sucks. The way we're, you're going to do it sucks. Stop doing it because you suck. Right. There, we are very vocal in how much this, this industry sucks as a whole and we don't just jam around, you know, about how much we suck. We give you solutions to try, you know, ideas to think about, to bring to your boards, to bring to your agencies. And, you know, I know there's agency heads that listen to this show. And I know there's a lot more providers that listen. But if the providers aren't going, hey, 
you know what? I heard this really good idea. Let's bring it to the next board meeting. Let's bring it to my supervisor. Let's bring it somewhere. That's how this industry is going to change. It's not going to change because they're, you know, 18, you know, uh, agency heads are listening to this show and they all go, well, one day we were taught, you know, we were listening to this show and Gerard had this great idea. And now we're just going to listen to Gerard. (laughs) Never once. Never once. Never. Um, You know, that's not, would you pipe down rubble? Gosh, that itch must be really bad. (laughs) But, um, you know, that's not how it's going to change. That's a poor guy scratch. I know, right? Poor pup. Um, but I mean, he was really going at it on that one. Um, but You're yeah, anti-canine. Yeah, are you kidding me? Um, but uh, but yeah, I want so, everybody to know that the last time that I was over there, he actually let Rubble sit on his lap for like 30 <laughs> seconds, but it was there. It was there. Mm. Yep. It happened. Oh, man. Um, so any last thoughts for, from you guys? before we wrap this up for this uh, portion of the month. We beat this dead horse pretty dead. Crickets. Yeah, just do better. <laughs> just do better. There you go, Em. Just do better. Yeah, See, that just, needs to be just, a sound. Stop it. Just do better. I have a shirt with that. Do better. <laughs> All See, right. And I want, I want a shirt that says just stop it. <laughs> just stop I it. That just stop it. I know a shirt oh, guy. But- we know a I shirt guy. So That's bad true. Because this, that, and the other thing, just, just stop it. Just, <laughs> I love yeah. it. All right, guys. Well, if there's nothing else, we will see you on May fifteenth. Hopefully, I am crossing my fingers that we can make this happen. There's, we are planning a humongous surprise for May fifteenth. If, if it comes down to fruition, we will have the biggest guest that we've ever had on this show, who is an EMS firefighter and EMS paramedic, as well as your only hint, the most famous EMS artist in probably the world. So if we can make that happen, we are going to be talking to that individual on May 15th. If not, I will damn sure make sure it happens. Now you have to. At some point soon. So we will keep you up to date on that. Till next time, guys, stay safe out there. Montequias. Oh, not the same. Yeah, I don't like that. that was, Boo. What? Boo. That was for, for J Love. Sound bite. <laughs> what? J Love doesn't listen to this. I know. <laughs> Do it again. Donuts. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.